0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome to today's program, Steve Cox, who's VP of Business Development at Command Alcon. And today, we're going to talk about transforming the construction material supply chain. Now, if you, you, know, you know, take a moment and you stop and you just look around, you see that the supply chain, the, the construction industry supply chain is really all around us, right? It's, it's on the uh, roads that we drive on and the sidewalks that we walk on. It's in our houses, it's in the buildings that we uh, work in, uh, and it's in all sorts of infrastructure projects that are uh, you know, happening you know, all around us when you, when you pay attention. But, but if you kind of take a closer look behind the scenes at how this supply chain works, you realize that there's a lot of waste and inefficiency in, in the supply chain. So you know, simply put, you know, um, there's probably no other supply chain that's in more dire need of, of transformation then the construction industry, heavy building materials industry supply chain. Now, why is that? Uh, you know, what are some of the challenges and opportunities out there? And, and how can companies get started on this transformation process? Well, those are some of the questions we're going to kind of address today. And uh, it's great to have Steve uh, on the program to uh, you know, share his insights and perspective, having been in the industry for a while and, and on the front lines of all of this with uh, a lot of the companies that he works with. So, uh, Steve, welcome to the program.
1: Yeah, thanks, Adrian. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Well, Steve, uh, we've had a couple of your colleagues there at Command Alcon on, on talking logistics, but this is your first time. And like I always like to do whenever I bring on a new guest, uh, you know, before we dive into the topic, I'm always curious, you know, uh, th- their career journey you know, and how and why they got involved with this industry and, and kind of what their current roles and responsibilities are. So why don't we briefly start there? Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in this industry and uh, what your role and responsibilities are, are there at command Alcon.
1: Sure, sure, Adrian. Uh- I'm a long-term industry guy. I guess I tend to think of myself as a construction guy. Um, I started way back in the day as a civil engineer, uh, undergraduate. Um, and to kind of put that on a time frame for you, it was before Windows, probably even before floppy disks. So i uh, been around a while. Uh, I've spent my career providing solutions to the construction supply chain, uh, whether that's working with engineers on specifications, uh, contractors on the execution side and and honestly, most of my career has really been working with the heavy building materials suppliers the uh, the folks who provide things like concrete and asphalt and aggregates um, to the construction industry. Um, you know my role at command uh, I'm not sure how many of your listeners are aware of command, but uh, we're a leading provider of digital technologies to that uh, aforementioned heavy building materials uh, segment of the construction industry. And really right now I'm focused on, uh, as the title implies, business development. And that's really more about thinking about um, where our company goes uh, moving forward. So traditionally we've been focused on the, uh, the segments mentioned, what we're looking at now is really more how to help uh, people on the job site collaborate more effectively to drive efficiencies.
0: Yeah, no, great, uh, you know, great journey there. You know, so you're civil engineer by background. I'm a material scientist by, you know, by background. So I'm always, you know, it's always uh, uh, curious to see how people with engineering backgrounds end up in different roles within the, the supply chain and logistics industry and, and, and different industries, you know, uh, you know, period. Now you and I have had the opportunity you know, I've had the opportunity to you know, participate in a couple of your conferences and, and lead some of the leadership roundtable discussions in terms of moving this this industry forward from a digital transformation standpoint. Um, and you know one of the things that was fascinating for me is you know I think a lot of folks when they think about supply chain logistics, they tend to think about you know consumer goods, retail, you know automotive, so on and so forth and, and this is a this is a supply chain that perhaps is not as visible to 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 many folks in terms of understanding how the supply chain works. So so why don't we start there? I mean, uh, why why don't you share a little bit about, you know, the construction materials, you know, supply chain? I mean, how how is it the same as other supply chains? And I guess more importantly, how how is it different?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's a great question, Adrian. I mean, I would say until recently, um, you know, especially when you think about concrete, asphalt, things like that, things that have a very short shelf life, you know, an hour, hour and a half, something like that, um, an industry that's highly reactive and lots of inventory turns during a day, you know, probably our thinking as an industry is, well, why do we need to manage the supply chain? <laughs> you know, it's, that's for people who are dealing with uh, tankers of chemicals coming across oceans and all these things. Why do we need to do it? But, but actually, as, as our thinking has evolved, uh, especially my thinking, It's changed because of those issues I just mentioned. Um, You know, when you when you talk about how construction is the same, I think as we started putting it in the supply chain uh, context, we certainly always have buyers, we certainly always have sellers, and logistics providers. And further up in our supply chain, um, basically that model works. But something that's unique about construction is once you move to the job site, it's different. And what I mean by that is for the most critical work, uh, whether it's the the houses we live in, or it's the buildings we work, or the the highways and bridges we we move around in, um, we realize that you can't really complete a transaction without inspectors. I mean, and so that's something new in terms of how we think about a supply chain. You can deliver a a load of concrete to the site. um, And you've got a buyer, you've got a seller, you've got that logistics provider. But the, you know, you don't really complete the transaction until the inspector on the site says, yes, this meets the plastic needs of the material that the owner has specified. And actually what's even crazier than that is sometimes it's 28 days later when a lab technician comes back and says, really, this isn't a good transaction. (laughs) So we have some uniqueness about how we have to look at things uh, relative to other industries.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, that was one of my takeaways as well. I mean, like you said, I mean, I think when you look at it at a a high level, you you know, you do have some of those uh, uh, standard uh, uh, parties and transactions that take place, right? There's a buyer, there's a seller, there's there's an order of some sort um uh, and i think to me you know there's just a lot of a lot of participants there's a lot of data and information that needs to be shared between the different participants so that's another kind of common trait but but i think you know to your point there are extra steps and stakeholders in this process in this case kind of inspectors as, as you mentioned i think the other thing and i think you mentioned this uh you know at the conference is that it, it, when you look at all these projects they are really make to order projects right it's not like a mass custom mass production type of of environment you know, every project is different. You're bringing in different suppliers and different stakeholders and different timelines and, and so on and so forth. So you're really dealing in a, in a make to order type of environment and in, in, with materials that have a relatively short shelf life, right?
1: Yeah, no, no question. Great point. And, you know, I, I agree. I, uh, if I go back to my days uh, before I graduated, I actually co opt with a major uh, automobile manufacturer. And, you know, you think about it. That world is all about mass production. Tasks are specialized, and so it's about doing the same thing over and over and over and better, 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 and incrementally, you know, improving. And over time, uh, if you look at some of the productivity metrics that manufacturing shows, it adds up. It's significant. But um, you know, in in construction, I, I've given this some thought, and my guess is there's probably no two projects that are exactly the same. Because even if you just happen to have the same designers, the same general contractors, the same subs, the same material suppliers, and, and you're building the exact same thing, it's going to be on a different plot of land. So that you know, that's going to be unique. And even if the plots of land are very similar, you're still going to have these different ambient conditions with the weather, which actually has a huge impact on what you're building. So yeah, uh, very unique in that aspect.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that this is one of those things that, you know, the more you learn about this industry, the, the more you realize that the complexity in, in involved, and you, you might tend to think of it as kind of a, you know, a hard hat, blue collar, uh, you know, type of supply chain. In many, in many aspects it is, but there's a lot that goes, there's a lot of complexity and sophistication that's involved or should be involved, you know, to get these projects done on time in budget, and budget and, you know, and, and, and so forth. Which, which kind of brings me to kind of the next, you know, my, my next question, you know, there's a, you know, talking about the need for transformation, right? I mean, there's, there's just a lot of discussion today across all industry about, all industries about digital transformation. Um, as it relates to the construction industry, heavy building materials, I mean, why is it so imperative for this industry?
1: Let me, um, let me start off at a macro level, if I could. Um. It doesn't matter where you go across the uh, construction industry, whether you're talking with the contractors, whether you're talking with the suppliers, um, we're resource constrained. I mean, um, everybody, whether it's, uh, you know, people who need haulers to move the materials around, whether it's people on the job site that are placing the materials, um, we just don't have as many people coming to the industry. You got a lot of them have a lot of gray hair like me who won't be around it a lot. And, and that's a problem. I mean, uh, if, if, if I were to step back and look at it on a global basis, uh, the G20 did a study. And it said that the planned spend for infrastructure over the next 25 years is $79 trillion. That's with a T. A lot of money. Um, but they then go on to say that the actual needed investment is more like $94 trillion. So, on a global basis we 've got a fifteen trillion dollar gap that somehow we need to find a way to to cover over the next twenty five years Now, when I move closer to home, um, you know I've, and I think most people understand this intuitively, but um, the American Society of Civil Engineers for probably thirty years have been giving Country a grade on its infrastructure, and it's gotten progressively worse. And anybody who works in the big cities and has to traverse, it's easily understood. And actually, today the overall grade is like a D plus um, for the for the greatest country in the world. That's uh, that's probably not acceptable. And so, if you just think about the U.S. and the spending we need to have to maintain our productivity as a country. Um, I think the number was something like $4.6 trillion uh, that's needed by 2025, and only 3.6 of that is funded. So again, uh, just here in a shorter period of time in the U.S., we've got a $2 trillion gap, and I don't think we're going to raise taxes or find other means. It's not going
0: to magically appear.
1: We're going to have to find productivity.
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. I mean, I think that's a challenge, you know, ac- across all industries, you know, in terms of the, the you know, the, the labor, you know, shortage pro- pro- problem. But from a productivity standpoint, I mean, I've seen statistics where, you know, you've, you've seen the, the the improvement in manufacturing productivity over the past, you know, decade or two decades. And, and that's, been, that's been improving, you know, at, at a nice clip. Uh, but you look at it in the construction industry and, and it's been relatively flat, you know, not, not improving at all. Um, so, so I think it's, how do you bend that curve, right? How do you, how do you start getting that, um, you know, productivity improvements? And I think part of it is if you actually look around, I know this is something that I've heard at your conferences, there's just a lot of manual paper-based, uh, you know, activities that, that, that are just still happening, you you know, today. I mean, so, so kind of moving away from, from that has got to be kind of one of the the key areas or a starting point, Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no question. Look, uh, to, to your point, and you heard it at the industry, but uh, there was a study, I think it was McKinsey, and they looked at 22 different industries. And of those 22, uh, in terms of digitization, that's basically what they were trying to, to grade each of the industries on. And out of the 22, they put construction at number 21. So um, the good news is there's a lot of upside there. Um, to, to your point about paper, um, I actually saw an article that came across yesterday and it just had one sentence which really spoke to me, but it said, you know, we are a document-driven industry, and we need to move to a data-driven industry. And, you know, in, in support of that, I'm throwing out a lot of numbers, but it just kind of frames how big the issue is. Um, there was a recent study out, I think it was uh, FMI and Grid put out. and and it, and it was talking about productivity and waste and things of that nature for the construction industry as a whole. And Adrian, they actually put together a number that said in the US, the cost of poor data sharing and communication was $31 billion to the industry in and of itself. And not all of that, you know, is tied directly to heavy building materials, but that is a, it's just a huge number. And it, it, you know, it reinforces that uh, high upside that we speak to.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know one of the things that I, I, uh, from your presentation at the conference that stuck in my head was when you kind of did that, you know, behind the napkin, you know, calculation of the, the number of hours spent, you know, taking information that's, you know, on paper and kind of keying them in. And if you kind of, uh, I forget the number you came up with, but it was uh, an astonishing number of, of wasted labor hours, if you will, just keying in information. Which obviously, you know, a lot of that information is going to get keyed in, or an unacceptable amount is going to be inaccurate, just because we're human and and you know we're going to make mistakes, and then and that has its own you know impact on cost and productivity and quality and, and so forth. Um, so so anyway, I think that 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 was another key you know insight for me, just the amount of of time and labor that's spent you know just keying in data.
1: Yeah, um, great point. I mean, uh, this will surprise some people, but uh, the Federal Highway Administration, our government, is actually driving um, an e-construction initiative. They're doing it through this program they call Everyday Counts. And certain of the DOTs actually claim to be 98 to 99 percent paper free on the job site. Um, But the missing piece, and it's what you're really referring to, is this paper delivery ticket that our industry uses. So um, it's kind of funny, and we make fun of it, but, you know, all of the suppliers have these digitized systems at their scales or the points where they're batching the materials. And we actually, you know, undigitize that data and put it on paper. And, you know, to kind of give you some of those numbers, there's about a million loads of heavy building materials, those products we mentioned earlier, that um, are moved around the industry every day. And while in some cases we've talked to producers that have these paper tickets, that are so problematic and they actually have seven or eight copies that get passed around the job site. But if we just assume there's only three recipients of those, million, you know, so, and and then you say, okay, let's be very conservative and say it only takes three minutes to rekey the data and that one to 3% data entry error rate. Well, all those are very conservative numbers, but it's shocking that that alone with those uh, conservative estimates add up to about 200,000 avoidable work hours per day. You know, you annualize it and all of a sudden you're looking, you know, at, golly, what was it, 500 million hours per year that the industry spends passing paper around. My guess is we're low by a factor of two or three based off conversations. We haven't even put dollars to it yet. So yeah, it's it's a big problem. Um, in our estimation, it's a problem worth solving. And you know, we think that the first step in, in the digital transformation, moving us off that number 21 spot, is is helping people to dil- digitally
0: collaborate by removing the paper and
1: taking advantage of the technology that's available today
0: right right so i think that's a great that's a great point and, you know tying it back to that 15 trillion dollar gap that you talked about i mean you can see how you know addressing you know all those wasted labor hours can start chipping away at uh, you know at that 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 $15 trillion, you know, gap. So really, you know, so, so the starting point, you know, really starting to you know, look around and identify those, those areas where there's a lot of manual processing, paper-based processing, and, and how can you leverage technology? How can you streamline the processes perhaps to get rid of, rid of some of that, um, you know, duplication and, and so forth, you know, certainly I think can, is a great, you know, starting point. And, and obviously technology, you, you know, plays an, an important role here. I mean, can you share with us, you know, some of the innovations that are making, you know, this transformation easier and, and more possible today.
1: Yeah. And l- let me do one thing first, and you probably saw me do this at the conference as well. Um, I don't want to make light of our industry. There, there, there's a lot of really smart, hardworking people that are very good at what they do. Um, there's a reason that construction is behind manufacturing in other industries. And I think this is kind of a nuance that may be lost on people, but, you know, these other industries... They've been connected to their systems and and had access to them for a long time. I mean, you know, going back to my days with the automobile maker. You now somebody pulls up a truck, you offload the materials, you go to your system, you do the goods receding in real time, and 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 everybody gets that signal. Uh, quite frankly, the construction industry hasn't had that luxury. I mean, there's a reason that we undigitized it and put it on paper because you know, we were untethered from our systems. We're out in the middle of a field somewhere, you know, where you got uh, bulldozers and excavators and maybe a little bit of gravel. And, you know, you didn't have the ability to turn to your system and, you know, receive that load of aggregates or asphalt or whatever it may be. So um, certainly technology is, uh, is enabling that today and where it wasn't there not all that long ago. I think it probably starts with mobile technology. Um, you know, almost everyone has a smartphone or a tablet today, um, whether it's personal or whether the company provides it. Uh, connect- connectivity is ubiquitous, and you know you've got to believe if what I read about five G coming down the pike, it's only going to get more robust. Um, Certainly the lower cost to store and share data um, has helped. And I mean, you know, probably uh, obvious to most, but I mean, you know, the the mobile devices we have, they have many more capabilities today. And that as designers think much more about the user experience and how how they help the users consume it. Um, All these things are converging. And so when you take all of it holistically. um, The paper's got to go. The, the next generation, that's all they know. And so, um, you know, when they graduate college, I mean, you know, the, the iPhone's been around, what, 10 years? Um, they've been looking at it for 10 years. They expect things instantaneously. They graduate college. They come to work for our companies, and they see us pass paper rounds to complete these transactions on the job site. They have to think we're cavemen. and You know, so we've, 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 we've got to start taking advantage of it. And quite frankly, the next generation is going to drive it. But we should for the productivity industry.
0: You know, that, that, that's a great point because uh, I think if we were having this conversation, let's like you said, let's say 10 years ago, um, you know, even if we identified the problem uh, and the opportunities and the challenges, the, the reality was that, you know, the technology, uh, really wasn't there to fully enable it, right? Because, you know, the, the mobile technology capabilities weren't as robust or, or as cost effective as they are today. You didn't have that ubiquitous, you know, connectivity. Uh, you know, certainly cloud applications were just getting started. You know, all these, you, you know, uh, developments that have taken place over the past decade, past two decades, have really created the opportunity to your point where today, really the the key enablers are there, right, so now really it 's not a question of hey, we really don't have you know the underlying capabilities to move forward with this they they're really there today because of the the fast advancements with uh, you know with technology and I think you brought up a great point which i I think you know certainly you know you, you forget to, you know you don 't think about when you think about other industries you're right you know you're at a at a warehouse or you're at a facility that has you know uh Uh, mainframe or desktops or RF guns and so forth. So you've got that whole infrastructure. When you're dealing with construction, you're out in the middle of nowhere a lot of the times and you're out in a, in a very, you know, outdoor environment, Uh, you know, perhaps no fixed address yet, you know, and, and, and so forth. So you're really working in an environment that's very different than, uh, you know, what other supply chains are, are, you know, are are used to or, or need. So, Kind of the, I think the mobile piece. To your point, I think the mobile piece is is critical, and the fact that we're we're now at that stage where these devices and these uh, mobile apps are are, are available uh, is going to be a. Uh, it's going to help accelerate, you know, the the opportunities that that we've just talked about here. Um, so 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 let's talk a little bit about you know some of the the success stories or, or benefits that companies that are started moving you know uh, down this transformation journey have started to achieve, can, can you share some examples?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've, um, you know, three come to the top of mind, Adrian, and, and and I'll talk about it because it kind of demonstrates the value across all the participants. So we mentioned DOTs earlier. So one of the things they've done, um, they've already been able to track or return on their investment from their early e-construction initiative. So we, we don't have the paper ticket chats, but it's certainly moving there. Um, but in general, they're finding somewhere between a 2 and 700% return on investment, moving away from paper to you know, digitizing the construction process. So there's no question anybody would make that type of investment uh, with that sort of return. So they're, they're going to drive it. They are driving it. Um, and, and others were hop on. Um, I think the next uh, trading partner, industry segment, I guess is the more correct term, I would think about would be the contractors. Um, so we've we've seen examples where contractors have used some of this technology to digitally collaborate, where they're able to save in the neighborhood of three to four percent of their budget for construction materials and trucking. Now to frame that for you, I mean, say on a big, you know, billion dollar project. Um, know maybe 30 35 percent of that is materials so when you're talking saving three percent of you know 350 million dollars it's not chump change and you know they're doing it by things Uh, they're getting improved yields Uh, um, they're able to get early payment incentives which is actually good for both sides of the transaction because you know if the contractors can pay in ten days to achieve a half percent with the, if the suppliers offered that, then obviously that's good for them as well. So, um, benefit that comes out there and not to mention the reduced handling cost of managing the paper and you know, just having visibility of the entire supply chain. So, uh, significant savings for DOTs and contractors. And, you know, this may surprise some people, but one of the more interesting stories was the third party haulers. And so, you know, one of the things that's traditionally happened in our industry is that you know because of the high inventory turns the ready mix producers for example have always said just keep my silos full you know keep keep them up at the top and we don't care you know come as often as you need and and as a matter of fact why don't you show up first thing in the morning if you're a hauler who's starving to get drivers you know Having a guy sitting in rush hour traffic trying to get to your plant um, doesn't make sense, especially when the driver gets there and finds out that there's not room in the silo to to take the shipment. So think of all the waste just involved there. So one of our, um, you know, one of our industry participants told a story that by giving them visibility to understand number one, what is the inventory in the silo? Number two, what is the demand over the next few hours? It allows them to use their assets more effectively to go somewhere where maybe the demand's greater, it's going against traffic. So there's all these hidden second-order effects that you know managing this digitally can provide to all the participants
0: yeah no those are all great examples and, and the last example was something that you know uh you know caught my eye because when i when I heard that story that success story you know i really equated it to vendor managed inventory right It was a good kind of which is v m i you know to our early discussion you know it's kind of common in let's say the automotive industry it's been around in, in a in a proven model but but it's relatively new in in this industry right Be- because of the things you need to enable the the amount of trust that you need to then have between the trading partners to let someone like the hauler really uh you know, have the, the, orchestrate that whole process in terms of have visibility to the inventory, have visibility to the production plans and, and then be able to, you know, def- define and determine the best, uh, you know, the, the amount and frequency to, to, to do those replenishments. But I think that, that story, uh, you know, really showed the benefits how it was really a win, 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 uh, story for the hauler. The uh, uh, in this case it was the, uh, the the cement supplier and the and the ready mix you know plant how they all got benefits you know uh, around having that increased visibility and in orchestration taking place between the uh, you know the three parties so so I thought that was a great um, you know a, a example there uh, Steve but we're running short on time here so just just as a as a way to wrap up I mean what, what questions should you know companies in the industry you know ask themselves then. Um, to assess where they are today, you know, relative to digital transformation and, and what actions they should take, you know, moving forward?
1: Yeah, yeah, good, great question. Look, I, I think at first probably the first questions they should ask should be around the resource challenges we talked about on a couple of occasions. You know, can they envision a world where this is going to improve anytime soon? And I think if people are, if they're honest with themselves, the answer is no. And so the question becomes is, how can we drive productivity? Where will it come from? Now, as also mentioned, there's a lot of really smart people in the industry. They've run good businesses for a long time. And so I think one of the things is, is a lot of them are probably tapped out in terms of the internal productivity they can capture within their own operations, within their own companies. And so, you know, going back to this theme that we started out with earlier, that's why i believe digital collaboration and the example you just gave of vendor managed inventory is so important and you know there was a there was a uh, a definition we came across for digital collaboration and there's probably thousands or millions of them out there but it basically said digital collaboration connects a broader network of participants who can accomplish much more than they would on their own and that really spoke to me because i i believe that you know, there's a lot of really good people in our industry. They, they believe in relationships, they invest in relationships. And as, as if if they trust each other to share this information and prove the visibility, um, there's a lot of value to be gained in, in doing so. And so kind of the last part to your question is, well, how do they start? Uh, I'm going to steal one of your quotes, actually. Um, I heard you say it because I, I, I like it so much. But you know, it was a Mark Twain quote. He said, you know, the first step to getting ahead is getting started, if, if I remember it properly. And so I, I think that really applies here. Um, this isn't going to happen overnight. Um, you know, my, my recommendation to people in the industry is, is start small. Uh, find the right people in your own organizations, people that are passionate about it, people that want to make it happen. Um, pick the right trading partners. Not all trading partners are going to be ready. And so find the ones where you can um, make sure you have the right technology partners. And when you get together and you start, you know, celebrate the wins. Um, you know, it, there, there's always going to be more to be done, but celebrate the wins. Don't, don't get focused on all the stuff that you have to do. Celebrate what you've got and then build upon them. And, you know, I guess kind of just my last thought. Um, There's no question in my mind that this digital collaboration we're speaking to is going to happen. Um, Just like it just seems like yesterday that the floppy disk in Windows was coming out in my career. I suspect we're going to be amazed at how quick digital collaboration on the job site um, is in place and operating because there's just so much value to our industry. There's a need for it. And quite frankly, it only makes sense.
0: Well, Steve, great, uh, great insights and, and advice, and uh, I think uh, I think you're spot on. I, I agree as well. Uh, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of uh, you know positive change taking place in, in the industry, you know, in the in the, in the months and a you know, a few years ahead. So, um, thank you again. I always say, you know, we always manage to just scratch the surface on these topics, but you provided some great uh, you know food for thought and insights and, and advice uh, to to get the uh, you know get some action started on on this journey. So, again, thank you for making the time to be with us today.
1: Thank you, Adrian.
0: Have a great day. Great. I want to thank those of you that uh, joined us. Uh, If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Command Alcon website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Steve, you can post it there. And I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.